Triple M footy lives on listener. Thanks to McDonald's and Ream Hot Water. Welcome to Triple M's Saturday Scrum. Yes, ahoy hoy. Love to have your company on a Saturday afternoon, all heading towards kickoff. Uh, Melbourne Storm taking on the Gold Coast. Actually, terrific uh, round of footy this afternoon. The Roosters and the Tigers. And then, of course, it's Canberra and Brisbane. Uh, great games already underway, which we will dig into over the next three hours. My name's Tony Squires. I'm with Ryan Girdler and Dave Riccio. G'day, gentlemen. G'day, Tony. Good to be here, mate. Hi, everyone. Favourite round of the year for me, Tony. It's the penultimate round of the uh, NRL season. We love the penultimate round. And you dropped the ball on that, so (laughs) I'm going to take it up. How did I forget? I don't know. Every year you get to do it once and you forgot. (laughs) There you go. But anyway been dealt with. It has been the penultimate round and we will be joined by Aaron Woods. Now, Woods is coming in at uh, one o'clock today. So he's having a little bit of a late mark. He'd be doing his captain's run. From Would he? The Manly Seagulls, yes. Well, well, he needs to get his priorities right. Don't you think? Well, well yeah. I mean, we, we've carried him for a long time here. Mm. Mm. Uh, but we have to carry him now for the next hour. So the two of you would just have to talk and talk. Well, we've done it in the past. We'll do it again. Yeah, we will indeed. Mm. Uh, uh, look, uh, I'm going to. I mentioned it to Ryan earlier. I'm a little bit <clears throat> down today, and I, I've, I'm, I'm off my game a bit because I think I might have got captured by a red light camera. Oh, on the way in, flat, mm, very flat. Mm. I thought it was. It's one of those ones where you think, look, I know it's gone orange. I'm not stupid, but it was a quite a long intersection. You know, the, the deep, big road. Uh, and so I certainly, by the time I'd gone across and the light had gone green again, I knew that I was in some trouble. Mm. Uh, mm. That it, somewhere in the middle there, there must have been a red. You need to move up to Noosa, Tony. There's no traffic lights in Noosa. <laughs> They're all roundabouts. <laughs> that, that's very true. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't got one red light camera since I've been up here. <laughs> <laughs> it's impossible. <laughs> um, Parking fines, that's another thing. And speeding on occasion. But yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. The roundabout. I do love the roundabout. Yeah. Uh, anything come out in terms of uh, we're obviously going to talk in more detail about Jerome Luai, but that obviously is the big injury uh, so far of this round. What's the latest with him? Surgery, no surgery? Yeah, look, the pr- pleasing news for Jerome Luai and Penrith Panthers fans is he doesn't require surgery, and that was the great fear. Whenever the, there's a shoulder dislocation, it's, it, it, all, it all depends on how much ligament damage has occurred mm-hmm. during that dislocation, and, un- and fortunately for Jerome, um, he has... Um, escaped uh, uh, the need for surgery, and that would have been season-ending. But is it? Well, let's, well, is that kind of changing at all, Ram? Do they no surgery because they want him to play mm. and you know come back for preliminary yep. final, uh, rather than you know uh, if he has the surgery, season's over, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. That's right. And and no doubt there's damage there. And yeah. and and in the words of the Penrith Panthers, significant damage. Yep. Okay, and that's via their statement. Now. It's all about the rehab process now. He's no good thing to play again this year. Mm. He's no certainty. It'll all be dependent on the rehab process. Process, And then um, when it gets to that point in time, we've seen it happen in, the, uh, in 2021 with Nathan Cleary. He, he may end up wearing a, a shoulder brace uh, and strapping just to, just to hold everything in if they get to a point in the season, call it a prelim final or and Jerome's suddenly okay to get back out there. But, geez, it would be a big gamble yep. if if Jack Cogger and Nathan Cleary actually conspire and get them there. So, look, it's it's going to be a waiting game for several weeks for Jerome Luai. 
Uh, all right, anything on the charge sheet? I, I take it, Cole Felt, given that he didn't get penalised, wasn't uh, <laughs> doesn't feature for kicking somebody in the face? Yeah, just as far as last night's game concerned, Cowboys-Dolphins, no no charge there for Cole Felt. Yep. Uh, it was it was a polarising one. It's worth discussion later on. Yep. Um, Josh Kerr uh, is facing a oh, one-game yeah. suspension uh, yep. for a hip drop on Murray to a lungy. He was sin-binned. It's a grade two dangerous contact charge, and that's the only charge that has emanated out of last night's game's both Cowboys and Dolphins and Warriors Dragons. Now that I think about it, Triple M probably should pay for the fine. If I was, I'm not, I'm not admitting any guilt oh. for the, you know, the red light camera. Uh, so it's Triple M's fault. Well, I, I was endeavouring right. to uh, arrive as early as possible, Dave. Right. Uh, just in terms of prep. Mm. I'm an over-preparer. Oh, no, no. Uh, well, you know. You're a professional. Yeah, thank you. So, uh, you know, in, in, in terms of that, because this, that was a just yep. one, it was an effort on an effort. It was, one, it was a oh, one percenter. Yes. It was a one percenter to go through there uh, and get here on time, Ryan. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I agree with you, Tan. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, the person whose car I, I drove up on the inside of who was going very, very slowly and was probably causing all the angst because a lot of people should have got through that light. Yeah. And he was going so slow. Yeah. Yeah. He, he should also and, be held another accountable. Another person. To held him. accountable. Yeah. Yes. Although yeah. he probably did enjoy the sight of the flash of the cameras. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 put it this way, Tony. If he's in the picture, I'm sure he's smiling. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha, Squires. <laughs> so true, so true. Uh, mm. All right. The, uh, we're going to speak with Eels coach Brad Arthur a little later in the show. Just get from him uh, about the season, how it's unfolded. Because obviously, as the team that was grand finalist last year, the expectations... Uh, that they are there or thereabouts the season following. And that was certainly the hopes and dreams of Parramatta fans. That hasn't happened. They've fallen one game short. Uh, they can't make the finals. But, gee, they gave a good account of themselves against Panthers. They do in that, that Western derby. They, they're always up for it. And the 32-18 win shows exactly that. It was most disappointing. Um, Parramatta fans will be lamenting what could have been. This is, you know, this is a side that um, I think the premiership win- window has closed now, and I, uh, I uh, <coughs> excuse me, I say that um, with the knowledge of what they produced on Thursday night. It was a, it was a sensational effort, a sensational effort, and and it, it almost teases Parramatta fans into the new year, doesn't it? And and but for me, they've got a lot of work to do as far as their roster is concerned. We know that Brad Arthur's greatest strength is his ability to develop a player. He's got a long list. It's, it's, it's almost a football factory as far as how many players he's bought on the cheap and been able to, to develop into, you know, a $700,000, $800,000 player. But that's going to take some time yeah. uh, with the current roster. I think they need to sharpen up their back line. Um, I just think it's been too, uh, too much of the same for too long now. And, you know, hopefully when we talk to Brad, I'll, I'll, I'll ask, I will ask him. I'll ask him about that. There's always this suggestion, guys, in the background about moving Clint Gutherson from fullback to centre and maybe buying a gun fullback. So I'll, I'll put that on, Brad. I'm, I might try to ask him that before you do, just I'm writing it down yeah. so that I've got a really good mm. question before mm. you actually come up with that. That would be good. Uh, he was. Gutho was sensational in that game. He was strapped up like pale-face Adios, the, the great trotter. Uh, he, but he comes through the goods. Yep. 
and we'll find out more about uh, that injury as well. Gertz? He, I wonder, he delivers every week regardless, yeah. and I wonder if they were to play finals, how he would go in finals. You know, Mitch Moses, um, he probably wouldn't be available for a couple more weeks given his injury. Mm-hmm. And then Gutherson, like, he, I mean, he came off with about eight or nine minutes to go. Yep. Um, and he couldn't walk in the end. So it's not something, I know he's a tough bugger, but it's not something you can overcome um, in, a, in a week or so. So they would have had some challenges had they been moving on into the finals. And, and yeah, and just looking at their last half a dozen games, I mean, they, they dominated by the Roosters last week, dominated 54-10 by the Broncos the week mm. before, had that sort of that, that win over the, the Dragons, but then dominated by the Storm the week before that. So, you know, they, they did... I guess they, they pulled Penrith's pants down um, on Thursday night, but, gee, I I didn't see it coming at all. It's not that like they were building for something. They're one of those teams that's like, oh, they had all this momentum. It's unfortunate they, they're not making it into the finals because the thing is with Parramatta all season long, you just never knew what you were going to get. Their best and their worst were way too far apart. But as as we know, their best can, you know, they can match anyone, um, but they just haven't provided it on um, – you know, the occasions that they needed to this year. And um, and Penrith, look, they, we'll, we'll pull that part of game in a moment, but they were far from their best too on mm. Thursday. Uh, stating the bleeding obvious, everything next season for Parramatta will be about keeping the players on the field. And when I say that, I mean about, I mean, I'm talking about their spine. This is a Parramatta side that's had Josh Hodgson starting the season at dummy half. Saw very little of him. Then came in Brendan Hands, a rookie dummy half, who did a wonderful job for a largely a rookie season. Then, uh, yeah, the loss of Dylan Brown through to off-field suspension, uh, the no-fault stand-down policy was triggered with Dylan Brown. In came Dejan Arcee, Mitchell Moses, fractured cheekbone, out he goes. Um, Joey Lussick imported uh, back from the UK to take over the dummy. You can't have that much change in your spine and expect to be successful. And to, in, in some regard, to be only one game away from the finals with that much change is, is a pretty good effort. Um, but it, all, it has to come down next season. They have to find that balance. The, the high rotation of dummy halves has to stop. And they need clearly whenever Dylan Brown and Mitch Moses are on the field together, they're the starting halves, and that's that's a, that's an awesome yeah. ha- halves combination. Well, we'll see what kind of message that Brad Arthur has for Eels fans uh, for next year when we speak to him in roughly half yep. an hour. And Tony, you speak to anyone that's sort of been involved in a, in winning a premiership, and they'll tell you that all the planets need to align. Mm-hmm. They all need to come together. You know, it, it's it's not as it, it's not always just about being having the best roster or being the best team. And you think about what Dave went through on those suspensions and when they actually came. Like when they when they started to build some momentum in the middle of the year to lose Dylan Brown, and we saw what he contributed. Yep. You know, on Thursday night, how good a player, how much impact he has for that club. You know, to lose him for that extended period, then Suvo went on the back of that. So, um, and then you you think about the 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 suspension of Ryan Madison at the start mm. of the year when they had injuries to guys like Sean Lane. Now, Sean Lane, he's a guy that he changes games, and he spent so much time on the sideline this year, and he's just a you know, th- th- there's so many games that they lost by you know, two or four points early on in the season against quality opposition that a guy like Lane or, or a Madison breaks open. They're the kind of players that can, you know, provide those moments for them. And they just didn't happen for them this year. So it was always, they just felt like the whole season, you know, they'd get some momentum and, and something would happen and then they'd be chasing their tail again. They just never were able to, 
you know, um, you know, use the foundations that were built um, to really deliver any success. It was too interrupted for them. And, and make no mistake, guys, uh, the Parramatta Reels management have already had discussions with the NRL about next season's draw in relation to not having the issue that they had to start their well, season. Tough start, Where yeah. they played three to four teams at the start of the year all coming off a bye. Now, the, the Eels, as I said, have flagged it with the NRL. Hey, look, we know you didn't do it on purpose, right? How does that happen? But can you please acknowledge that that can't happen again? And and I understand the NRL obviously are all ears to it, but that, that that's another factor as well. You're, like, you're playing fresh bodies at the start of the year. Yeah. It makes it difficult. And Brad will be happy to know that the in the NRLW, the Parramatta side leads North Queensland 14-0 uh, with 18 minutes to go in the first half. All right, what about the Panthers? Because that was like obviously uh, unexpected loss for them. Uh, they did have some mitigating factors. The Jerome Luai won crucial, although they were behind already by mm. that stage. Parramatta were playing terrific football. Uh, and as you mentioned, he's not going to have shoulder surgery. That's certainly the outlook at the moment with yep. the hope that he will be rebuilt. Yep to be available around the prelim final stage. Yeah, Penrith Panthers are saying uh, in their official statement that Jerome Luai will now rehabilitate in a bid to play finals. Yeah. There's no certainty whatsoever. It'll all depend on how he goes in this recovery phase, and that's huge. And be one of those Cooper Cronk things in the, towards grand final. Oh, hey, hey. Will he play? Hey, won't he play? Helicopters hovering over. Chopper. Oh, chopper. mate, I'll be back in the chopper again. <laughs> Were you in the chopper yeah, last Yeah, I was up in the chopper with Wait. Cooper Cronk. And, and I, I declared, well, I didn't declare. Well, he, well, he certainly well, trained. He certainly trained while the chopper was in the air. Like he, uh, were you, were like you the he was out. Were you the spotter in the chopper so you, you know, to see what was actually going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had a, we had a news, news call photographer up top. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we weren't the only news outlet at that time in a chopper up there. Ah. Um and, yeah, from the sky, it looked like uh, Cooper was definitely out. How low did you go? Oh, you can you can watch anything. You can watch it all. It's so clear. Wouldn't you just get a drone? Oh, they shoot them down, do they? <laughs> <laughs> Nick Politis just shoots I mean, them down. Do we need to get Are there drones for things like that these days? Yeah, well, that, yeah. It's a few years ago anyway, now. It's not as dramatic, I guess. No. No, you want to be up there. And yeah. Drones, no, it's good have, fun. drones have been around for a while. Reporting from the chopper. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Anyway, we'll be doing that with Jerome Luai. Yeah, it will be. Is there any kind of risk, though? I mean, obviously, there's a, there's a risk. But you've got Cogger Gerds, who plays good footy. If he's the one who goes in there, do they, you know, then at that the you know, ultimate moment of the season go, no, we're giving this a go. Well, yeah, you just need – it's going to depend on, you know, form and other injuries and whatnot. So uh, that will need to be taken into consideration. And uh, But we all know what Jerome brings to that footy side. He's their energy. He's their barometer in, in a lot of uh, ways. And um, he, he just loves that footy club and loves playing with those guys and, um, and plays with that sort of passion and desire that um, delivers them success on a regular basis. So they'll take that into consideration. They know what they're going to get out of Jerome. He's a tough bugger. So if, if they know that if they put him out there, he's going to get a job done, as did Cooper for uh, the Roosters when needed. So sometimes, you know, in relation to the game, though, Tone, you know, no Kenny, no Sorensen, no Targo, no Edwards, uh, mm-hmm. no Taruvi, you know. So um, sometimes having a loss like that a couple of weeks out from the from the finals um, is just a good, good opportunity to identify some things that probably – you might have been um, wallpapering over some of those cracks. Like, mm. I didn't think their win against the Titans was great. They weren't great against Manly sort of the week before. So 
they might have sort of been just coming off with one eye into the finals and then all of a sudden that was the shake-up that, um, you know, allows Ivan to get back and, and maybe pull the trigger uh, this week against the Cowboys who will be coming after him too, who, um, you know, their season's on life support as well at the moment. So I don't think we pushed the panic button yet, um, it, but it's obviously, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a little bump in the road for them, Dave. They weren't mm. great the other night. Yeah, well, look, uh, hey, I like the reaction of Jack Cogger. Okay, so now Jack's in the hot seat alongside Nathan Cleary, and his first reaction and post-match was, well, this is what I was brought here to do in this very moment. I I was brought here to step up. So I love his reaction. Um, Whether that's sustainable all the way through to a grand final, time will only tell. The other intriguing facet of this is now, do Penrith still go for the the jugular and chase the minor premiership with the Brisbane Broncos... Mm. um, uh, right up there. Mm-hmm. Yes. And... Um, Opawati. Up there, Opawati, yes. Mm-hmm. And so in that asset aspect, do does Ivan still look at... He has a history of resting his players in the final round. But this loss now against Parramatta may shift that attitude. And that could be bad news for the Cowboys if suddenly that list of players that Gertz just rattled off are suddenly playing um, next week. Well, you'd think they would come back. The ones who were, you know, rested. I mean, Edwards is going to come back surely for next week. You would imagine. And you'd imagine that he'd want to go into the finals after a loss like that to come through with a a solid win before Mm -hmm. you you hit the finals time, wouldn't you, Ryan? Yeah, you would, Tony, but it's just going to depend on on how the cards fall, obviously, with the... um you know, with the Broncos and the Raiders and the results there. I mean, yep. they're in no danger of falling out of one or two. So they're going to get a home semifinal. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, I think he'll weigh it up through the week. I, I don't see Ivan panicking. I think he knows those guys well enough and he knows that time of year well enough to know that regardless of what he does with that team um, next weekend against the Cowboys, he knows what he's going to get out of them at finals time. I think we all do. So I, I think he's got the luxury of making that call in, in what best suits those guys to make sure that they're fresh and, and up for the battle in week one of the finals. Am I correct in saying that uh, during ad breaks that Sydney listeners have been hearing just uh, a lot of nothing? Uh, if you're doing that and if you're listening to us now, just obviously ring your friends so that we're still here uh, and hello, the, hello. the problem will be fixed. I'm glad that you can hear our voices, those those voices. Belong to Dave Riccio. Uh, we my can name. solve that tone. We can- just don't go to ads. Now you're talking. Well, then your massive pay doesn't yeah. really happen. Well, they're right. not hearing it anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> you're the one living in Noosa. <laughs> That's, in my, <laughs> in in my, my van, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Aaron Woods uh, will join us. He'll be able to tell us exactly. He'll be listening on the, in the car on the way in here. Yep from the captain's run at Manly. He'll join us very shortly. Brad Arthur, as I said, we'll have a chat with him about the eel season and his hopes and expectations for next year. All right, the Cowboys, they are still in the race. It's going to be tough, though. It's going to be very, very close. Come down to points differential to, in terms of getting in that eight. But they, they did their job by the win over the Dolphins, 34 points to 10. Uh, impressed or, or how did you feel about it, Dave? Oh, look, I thought it was – I thought exactly what you said, Tony. It was what – they required. They went and got the job done. And, yeah. and what I did like was their discipline to go 14 sets from 14. Yeah, they were 100% completion rate after four. That's pretty special yeah. numbers in anyone's books. Um, but ultimately, they've come up against the mediocre uh, opposition in, in my books as far as what they would be facing in a final series. They need to go up a number of gears next week against the Panthers to, to, to be any type of shot. Really, and 
it's disappointing for for Cowboys fans because they went through that well, consecutive winning streak and they looked terrific, but on this back month, they've just dipped. I was the 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 loss that got me was the one against Cronulla. How how they couldn't get up for that game on after they were off a bye. It was Jason Taumalolo's two hundred fiftieth first grade game. There was so much on the line as far as where they sat and Cronulla sat going into that match. Um, it was their strongest lineup in a number of weeks. Jeremiah Nanai had return was returning from injury that night. Uh, Taumalolo obviously was up front. It was like it was a it was a quality lineup, and they were they were flat. They were uh, they were poor that night, and I just thought that was a massively missed opportunity. And had they won that game. And then now beat the Dolphins, you know, we'd be talking about a, a vastly different Cowboys team, but I just worry that they've left their run too late. We'll have a chat with Scott Drinkwater a little later in the show as well, who did some great things, had a couple of moments he liked back in terms of try-scoring opportunities. They did leave some uh, some tries out there, Ryan. Yeah, they certainly did. But, I, but on with Dave, I mean, that was a, that was a finals-type encounter, wasn't it, up there? Both those sides, like, playing for, you know, those bottom uh, positions in the eight, really physical. The Sharks, I thought, you know, with Hamlin, Ueli and, and Rudolph sort of starting to build some momentum in the back end of their season, really went out there and, and kind of laid their cards on the table, and the Cowboys just couldn't go with them. And that didn't happen last night. They weren't tested through the middle last night, and I think that's where the Cowboys have really struggled. They're a really creative side, and obviously the guy we're going to talk to, what a season he's had, and they've got, you know, great outside backs that can score some tries, And but I just found, you know, throughout the year, their middles just haven't been able to go with some of the really stronger middles when they come up against Penrith and the Broncos and that they've sort of, in those areas, um, they've been a little bit passive, um, and I think that's really hurt them, and you know, you can't you can't win, you know, one out of your last four, same as Parramatta, and expect to be, you know, unlucky to make the finals. This is the type, time of year where Origin's behind you, you've got all you guys back on deck, and you need to start mounting a charge for the finals if the, if the early part of your season hasn't been where it needed to be, and it hasn't been that for the Cowboys. So they'll go to Penrith next, next week, and there's a lot of other results that they're going to rely on if they're going to play uh, in September. But I'm with Dave. I just don't think they've been good enough this year and they've got a great roster and it's been a disappointing season for them. Um, but, yeah, there's other sides going better at the moment. Yeah. Well, after the success of last year, the expectations on the Cowboys were very high to begin this season. Uh, and hey, Tone, what about yes. Jermaine Asako last night? Mm-hmm. Right? So he set a new record for most points scored for a new club in a season. So he scored. He's now scored two hundred and thirty points with a game game still to come, mind you, and that surpassed Joel Kane's record wow. of two hundred and twenty four points in a season for the West Tigers back in two thousand. Um, yeah, like Jermaine, that's phenomenal. Yeah, it's good. It's good effort. Like Asako was a, a bit of a discard, you know, yep. from the um, from the Broncos. He's done a good job, but that's a that's a fair record. Absolutely, twenty three year record. Talk me through the Kyle Felt action and why that wasn't penalised. I mean, there's a few of these things happened uh, in recent weeks, haven't they? There was no penalty for uh, Shans Nickel Klukster uh, and the Ruben Garrick mm. tackle in, in the air. No, we know that legally it was okay, but he got put into a danger, dangerous position. Now, uh, Kyle Felt takes the ball, lifts his foot in the air and takes O'Sullivan on the chin, in, yep. the, in, in the mouth. It's weird that that isn't deemed... Uh, something that is dangerous, mm. or, you know. How was that not penalised? Yeah, I agree. It's weird. Um, the problem for the on-field match officials is their ability to prove intent, 
you know, in that that and and I, I think there's varying, um, you know, we, there's difference of intent with a head high tackle. You can it's more you know it's more obvious. Yeah. But when uh, Kyle Feltz attempting to retrieve the ball and sticks a leg out, is that part of his catching technique? That's difficult for the. Ver- but if your foot's one point five meters you, in the I'm air, with you. I'm, I'm mean, just no matter trying what. to play devil's advocate. Yeah. Um, okay. On why it wasn't a penalty, um, Sean O'Sullivan. Uh, yeah, we've spoken. We've spoken to Sean O'Sullivan before. That, yeah. that kid's a future coach, I reckon. Yeah. He is a massive rugby league intellect, and he blew up immediately yeah. and said that that's outside the rules. You can't do that. And he knew straight away, despite the the fact that he had blood coming out of his mouth. Mm. And you know, look, easily could have been a penalty. Easily, good. It had to be. I mean, we, and we need to bring discretion. We spoke about it last yes, week. There agreed. needs to be discretion at some point back into the game. And I know that the NRL like it to be black and white. But at the end of the day, if we've got guys that have been in the game for long enough, for refereeing, they've come through the system, they've got, they, they, get, they need to be able to use their discretion, their intuition and go, mate, you need to keep your feet down. Mm. That, he doesn't need to go to the bunker for that. He sees mm. a guy lift his legs with another guy chasing through. He's done nothing illegal, the guy chasing, just holding his ground and gets kicked in the face. Re- irrespective of what the bunker think, the referee needs to go over and go, mate, you just kicked him in the face, keep your legs down, penalty. Yep. And that's the end of the situation. Yep. Yep. Doesn't need to be that complicated. It's dangerous, stuff mm. like that. It doesn't, he doesn't need to open the rule book and see what black and white says about, you know, guys lifting their legs while they're trying to pick protect themselves from oncoming, you know, um, attackers trying to to take the football off. And that's one thing. But just use your common sense. Use your discretion. Use all the experience that you've gathered on your way to becoming a first-grade referee. I'm sure there's lots of it. I'm sure you're probably thinking, gee, that should be a penalty, but I can't make a decision because I've got to to tick the box, go to the bunker. We're taking that power away from the officials and it's hurting the game. Yep. Uh, agreed, well absolutely, said. 100%. I don't want to be the fashion police, but I really enjoyed the strip the Dolphins wore last Agreed, night. With the, yeah. the darker up the top there oh, rather than looking like the flesh, you know, belly that they usually have, like they're wearing a boob tube. I yeah, I like that strip. Yeah. I was yep. a fan. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. So do you know the story behind that? No, cool. so that, So that's, the, that's their away, that's their alternate jersey next year. Okay. And the Dolphins had to go to the NRL for approval. It's never. It's, it hasn't been done before in the NRL where a team wears their next season jersey before the current season's over. The Dolphins wanted to showcase that. It is one of their highest-selling jerseys already. Is it really? Yeah, absolutely. What's their other one, the gold one? Which is their away one now? Is it more gold? Is there a gold and red one? Whitish, more white. It's whitish. Yes. Okay, yeah. Okay. I think they've pulled the uh, the right string there. Yeah, it's a great string. I do like that. We we kind of mentioned it last week, but uh, Dave, you in here. But in terms of the Dolphins' year, it it petered out. We know that. There were some great highs early in the Mm. season. They get a tick, don't they? Oh, absolutely. They get a tick. I had them running bottom two. And uh, yes, they've petered out, but that was always going to be their issue: depth, depth in the roster. And and I, I know I said from the outset, <clears throat> this is a Dolphin side that should have had two years um, of recruitment time to build the roster. They didn't get that. They came off an extremely short run to build this team, and they've had a, a terrific season, and by far and away exceeded all, or certainly my expectations of what they could deliver. And, you know, the likes of Hamaso, Tabuai Fado, outstanding. Isaiah Katoa, he's gone under the radar, but he's a rookie half who's done a tremendous job Mm. in what I just spoke about, getting more out of a side that we didn't think would deliver. Yeah, I I totally agree, Dave. And and when you think about um, 
you know, some of the players they lost throughout. So when they lost Tom Gilbert, he was one of the form players in the competition for the first half of the year. And he was the heart and soul of that club. He was holding a lot of it together, right? Because it was all emotion. He, he's the guy that, you know, he holds everyone accountable at training. He's really physical. And once they sort of lost him, you could just see the cracks starting to appear. Um, and then you, you, you put him back in their side next year, Tone. You yep. put Flegler in there, you put Farnworth in there, mm. and you put him in that fancy new strip, mate. And I'll tell you what, you've got a footy side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jake Avarillo. Absolutely. Jake Avarillo as well. Absolutely. Tony Squires, Ryan Girdler, Dave Riccio with you. Aaron Woods will join us uh, at the top of the hour right now, though. It's time for this. Welcome to Tony's Spotting Quiz. So it's mano a mano. Just the two of you. Uh, if you would mind testing your buzzers for me, please. Riccio. Mm-hmm. Skipper. Okay. Very simple operation. You're ready to go. Question number one in the quiz. Australia's uh, Nina Kennedy was a pole vault uh, world athletic... Skipper. Yes, Skipper. She got the bronze. Oh, my God. She won uh, uh, the gold medal at the World Athletic Championships in pole vault, but what made it unusual? Um, she shared the medal. Yes, yes she, she did. Shared. So how did you go? She didn't share a bronze medal, though. She shared a gold <laughs> medal, a gold medal with Katie Moon, the American. Disregard my first response. To I will. I'm going to give you the point anyway because it's one-on-one. What other World Cup is has just got underway? Skipper. Yes, Skipper. Uh, basketball. Correct. What is going on? This Correct. is... Correct. Come on. This is a Who did the Boomers beat in the first game? Skipper. Of, yes, Skipper. Um, Finland. Wow! Oh, stop we're it. on fire. What do you mean? I love the delayed responses, though. He oh, hasn't been given Googling. the answers. I think he has not been How, given what, the answers. What do you have to Google Just, me answers? He's actually got. Uh, you three. want me to tell you how I know about the basketball? Because I was actually calling the game yesterday. It was on one of the other screens, and I was having a little bit of a look at it, Good not to distract myself. But Good boy, yeah, were you think, doing that? Do you want the score, Tony, for an extra point? Uh, yes, I will. <laughs> You've got it. I don't know no, it. So you no. can say anything. And you were eighty eighty seven fifty nine. Yeah, see, he's he's sleeping in his car. Yet look at what he's got there. He's just mm. on fire. Uh, Is it over yet, Tony? Not yet. <clears throat> Who has uh, been called on to resign for inappropriate kissing? Skipper. In, yes, skipper. The Spanish head coach I'm of the women's out. World Cup I'm winning out. team. Not the head coach. I, the football federation oh, the football, president, yeah, Luis yeah, Riboyales. Yeah. Okay. Who got a concerning act notice for inappropriate touching? Riccio. In, yes, Riccio. Uh, Penrith hooker Sonny Luke. He did for inappropriate touching of Jermaine Hopgood, uh, Hopwati style. Uh, okay. What farewell gift did the Tigers give Luke? Riccio. Oh, that was tight. Go to the tape. No. You have it, Dave. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Oh, that, that's that's patronising. That's patronising. Well, what the did with the gold medal, we, right? What, what brand, <laughs> so I'm inspired. What brand, inspired. Was, it? What brand was the barbecue? I'm not is sure. Is that the question? No, no. The question is a barbecue is the correct it's answer. Barbecue. And given we're at barbecues, why don't we light it up? I'm going to give you some uh, hit, listen to some songs that are related to uh, fire and those sorts of things. And you've got to tell me the title. Here's your first one. Riccio. Yes, Riccio. Uh, beds are burning. Beds are burning. Midnight oil is correct. Go again. Skipper. Yes, Skipper. We didn't start the fire. We didn't start the fire. Billy Joel did. Well done. Uh, this one could be a little bit trickier for you. Have a go. Looks like a girl, Riccio. Yes, Riccio. Uh, this girl is on fire. Oh, you know, Alicia Keys. Oh, wow. Well done, you. And finally, this one. Ricky, yeah, this sex is on fire. 
<laughs> Thank you for saying. Uh, that is correct. Kings of Leon. I'm going to give the uh, the quiz, though, the long, late comeback for Dave Riccio. Steve but, Bradbury. Uh, <laughs> it was Steve Bradbury. <laughs> Ryan Girdler, I think, used to win. My name's Tony Squires. I'm with Ryan Girdler, Dave Riccio, and Aaron Woods has uh, stepped into the studio. G'day, mate. G'day, Tony. How are you? Very, very well, thank you. And all the better for seeing you. Those who don't know, he's such a good man that every time he comes in here, he will... Call ahead and ask who wants what coffee yep. and, and it arrives. It's only when I know Reedy's not in here. <laughs> <laughs> of course. That wouldn't happen, obviously. So you've just come from... Well, Reedy the... said the exact... That's exactly what Reedy said. He said, oh, Woods, he never buys me a coffee. Yeah, exactly. Would you buy I mean, Reedy There's one? a reason for it now. Would you buy him one? No. No, he can't. Coffee's too strong no, for him. No, my man. He's good. Yeah. He's all good. Tell me this. Did you uh, captain's run today? Yeah, we just uh, captain's run this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was a good session. We've had a great week. Obviously disappointing last week against uh, the Warriors. I uh, didn't get that call at the end of the game, but, you know, admittedly there's another 79 minutes of play that we could have done. And, um, you know, it sort of our season was over. Uh, not not over, but we couldn't make the top eight. Yep. Uh, we still got two games to finish our season on a high. And uh, the boys' spirit's been pretty good at training this week. And there was talk that Ruben Garrick, uh, after we heard earlier in the week that there was some kind of fracture uh, in the back. Yep. Uh, and then there was, but then there was talk post that that he may play. What's the latest? Yeah, I don't think he'll be running out tomorrow, Tone. Right. Um, yeah, the uh, tackle was just got a little bit bad. I think it was, I think it was quite a bad fracture in his back. I think it was similar to um, Mitch Moses. What Mitch Moses had in the Origin uh, in what was it twenty one State in, of Origin series. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, I, I think he'll be highly unlikely next week as well. Next week as well. Yeah. Okay. Uh, which kind of emphasises that point of was he put in a dangerous position? Probably. Uh, what did mm. you make of Carl Felt and the kick in the, in the teeth? Yeah, it's um, – I think it was a penalty watching the game. It was something like Billy Slater used to do back in the day. Mm. You remember he used to do it all the time. Every time – it's sort of like they, they know they're doing it, but they try to show to the ref that they're not doing it by looking the other way. But as soon as you go up, like they're trying to keep a bit of distance from the, from the catchers coming in and crowding their space by putting their leg there and using it as leverage. Um, it happened to my good mate Clemmer in one of the games. Billy Slater gave him a boot right to the, to the melon. Yep. Um, yeah, so you know they're doing it, but they try to make out like they're not. And um, a player like, you know, Sean O'Sullivan recognised that and, and he said it to the ref, but the ref sort of said, you know, we've got to go on face value. So, um, you know, there's probably a warning. If he does it again, I definitely, I, I dare say it will be a penalty next oh, time. I, I think what Ryan Girdler said earlier in the in the show about the referees need to start standing up and showing their discretionary powers in incidents like that where they there's just so much safety network going on as far as the referees are concerned, relying on technology to make a call. You know, go back to your instinct and go back to what made you a referee and, and make a call that everybody would know that it's in the best interest of the game anyway. Well, I said that to the ref last week after our game and I asked him, I said, why didn't you call a penalty on the field? He said, the ball bounced. I said, yeah, but he's still got put in a dangerous position. Yeah, And he goes, if he landed on his neck, it would have been a penalty. I said, well, we don't want to be talking about what happens if he lands on his neck. No, no but it's the action could just as easily if that could have been right. And you look at what Chance did when he pulled out of the tackle. He pulled both his arms up and goes, geez, I know I've done something wrong. Yeah. Um, do, but, you, yeah. do you have a, a good relationship with referees? Yeah, I do. Um, when I was captain, I uh, did a bit of time at Sharks and Tigers. Um, you've got to talk to them and you've got to be on their good side because otherwise they start pinging you for penalties and six again. So you've got to try to suck up to them somehow. <laughs> What, bring the but coffee? You know the good thing is... You're, you're bring a head. <laughs> Definitely not coffee. Uh, but they come to training tone, so you get a bit of a relationship outside. So we'll have like an opposed session for our big session, which is... Um, so today was a captain's run. Yep. We had yesterday off, and the, the day before we had a... You have our long day. Um, mm-hmm. 
And so you're on the field probably an hour and a half and you, you practice all your left feet rights, you, whether you're trained against your reserve grade. And what they tend to do a lot of sides, they bring in a, a, one of the referees. So we had uh, the referee that got stood down and did eight tackles Oh, the, eight, the other day, the yes. try on the eighth yeah, tackle. Yeah, so yeah. he come down and a little bit of a punishment he has to come do. They don't normally <laughs> you come down hang out with, and with you. Yeah, so, um, you know, every time we get back aside, what tackle is it, sir? Just have, a little, <laughs> just have a little joke with them, you know what I mean? But that's how you create relationships with them. Yeah, absolutely. And then the eight tackle try, it sounds much worse than it was, given that it was a seven tackle set. It he, wasn't if there was two extra And he's tackles. a great fella. You know, he was, I've, I've toured. So when you go to Papua New Guinea with the Prime Minister's 13, yep. they always send one referee with you. So you, you, there's times where... Fans don't see, we do have a good relationship with referees at times, but when you cross that white line, you get a bit of, you know, the, mm. the switch gets flicked a little bit. Yeah, and you, mm. you're only thinking one side to every argument. Yeah. Well, as fans, that's exactly the same. Yeah. 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 So, like, when you hear the refs go, oh, he's been offside all day, sir. Like, come on. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Doing it all day. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. What about uh, the, the, the Panthers? What did you make of their performance? Oh, look, I think their last couple of weeks this was coming. Um, you know, we... we had a good performance from our standards, but we couldn't put them away. Um, they they started slow against the Titans last week and let them back into the game. Um, and, yeah, they just come up against a quality side the other night. And um, the big one for me is just, you know, I think they're due for a loss and I think it'll be the best thing for them. But to get that injury of Luai out, that's going to really hurt them. And just depending on – I know that he said he's trying to get back for semis, but trying to do it and, and doing it is a different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if the shoulder pops out, then he's gone. Yep. So um, you've seen that Cleary had a lot more on his shoulders, um, but you've also got to throw in Dylan Edwards is out, Scott Sorensen, Mitch Kenny. So he still had a, quite a fair few players out. Um, I still think they'll be sweet. Controversy seems to rock the rabbits. Such high hopes, such high expectations at the beginning of the season. Uh, even midway through it when they were sitting on top of the ladder, now they're in a struggle to make the eight. All sorts of internal uh, pressures that seem to be going on. Dave Riccio, you've been up on this from early in the week. Kind of Tuesday this story broke. Just uh, tell us where we're at. Yeah, look, obviously we uh, we know that Sam Burgess has departed the South Sydney Rabbitohs. He was part of the uh, assistant coaching staff of Jason Demetrio. Um, and this is um, basically, I would describe it as probably the most tumultuous week of the South Sydney Rabbitohs season, um, what has been this past week. Um, a, a club legend walking out, uh, walks in at 7am on Wednesday morning and walks back out at 9am with effectively his contract torn up uh, and and um, no longer a part of that South Sydney coaching staff. Well, a contract that was going to end in a couple of weeks. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was a significant contract, mind you. Yep. Um, it, it's, it had been brewing in the background for some time. This is a, a, a club that had been, you know, dealing with all sorts of speculation, rumours and, and reports around uh, conjecture at, at a coaching staff level uh, directed at the the current playing standards of the group, uh, sorry, training standards of the group, and also preferential treatment to the to the game to the club's biggest stars, i.e., Latrell Mitchell and Cody Walker. Now, uh, all of which, when we got to the press conference on Wednesday, was flat batted, denied, and and um, shot down by uh, CEO Blake Solly and head coach Jason Demetrio. But at the end of the day, an assistant coach is gone. And John Morris, the other assistant coach who had been dragged into this, uh, you know, firestorm, uh, has will also be leaving the club on a four-year deal with the West Tigers. 
But uh, he stays till the end of this he season. Com- he completes the season. That's right. Let's have a little listen to then uh, coach Jason uh, uh, Demetrio talking about Sam Burgess and this issue. Decision's been made. Um, both supportive of the decision, and we get out here and train. Sam and I had many discussions. It's not something I'm going to be talking about publicly. There are discussions between Sam and I, um, and I'm sure Sam will respect that as well. Is it the reason he's gone? We, we, we all have differences. You know, I've many conversations with Wayne Bennett, and every coach that I've worked with, we all have differences. But, you know, there's a lot more external factors as well, as Blake's mentioned, in terms of the job and the, and the load that takes on you to before he's going to Warrington, and Lucy's about to have a baby as well. So they're all factors that pour into it, but my focus now is to get the team ready for two weeks' time. How, how do you feel, though, hearing that there are people in the organisation who feel as though that there are double standards and special treatment being given to the and Cody? How does that sit with you? I have no issue with it. People can say and do whatever they like. I know what's going on inside the four walls. I know my relationship with Cody and, L- and Latrell in particular, and I know what the boys value out of both of those guys. Jason, did you want Sam out of the club? I didn't want Sam out of the club, no. But it is what it is. There's decisions being made. We move on. Famous club, famous personalities. You throw Russell Crowe into the mm. mix. It's always going to be something that people are, are interested in. But is it so different... Aaron Woods, do, do clubs have varying, not like a standards, but people are expected expected different things of different people? Oh, it happens in every club. So, you know, the I don't think like the, the Tom Travoy, which is not going to do exactly the same as young kids. He's got history in certain injuries. Um, you know, they you, you try to keep everyone equal, um, whether it's standards and that, but there's sometimes that, you know, in training sessions, they might get pulled in, pulled out. Um, they're never treated differently. Um, but these two blokes are, are big personalities. Mm. But for me, I, I can't believe they've let Sam Burgess go. He's a, a massive factor for that change room. You know, you speak to a lot of players that have played with with Sammy at that club and how good of a leader he is. Um, and and it, as a coach, if he's speaking to you, he's one of those coaches, you know, he walks into a room, he, he it's sort of like he's earned that respect and that trust. Uh, he's got that presence. When he speaks, people listen to. So I think he's a huge loss for South Sydney. I look at it the other way and I look at and I say this with a knowledge of looking at all the coaching structures within the game and talking to coaches and staff, CEOs on a daily occurrence. I've got to say, it's happened very quickly for Sam Burgess to have this, to have this, uh, st- uh, you know, so-called um, respect of the dressing room that you talk of, Woodsy. When let's be honest, he'd coached the Arara Valley Axemen, and my other point would be that... They Jason, got to a grand final, though. Yeah, sure. The other point would be is I don't know if Jason Demetrio was the was the driver of putting Sam Burgess on rather that it'd be Russell Crowe. No, no way he would have put him on. He would have been threatened by him from the get-go. So, so ultimately the head coach at every footy club, your club listeners out there, your head coach right now has the ultimate say on who's on your staff. Now, if a staff member is placed on you... It's either going to be sink or swim stuff. It's usually usually you go into a relationship with with someone that you definitely want there. You know what they're about. You know exactly what they're going to bring to this group. I would argue that that Demetrio really didn't know the intricate details of what Sam Burgess was going to bring, other than to what we know, respect in the dressing room. You know, a presence. That's a big thing, but Dave. Yep. You, you also, guys, need to consider Sam's personality. He's a, an uncompromising individual. And all of a sudden, if you've got an uncompromising individual in an organisation that is trying to deal with different personalities, 
and you got, you know, one of your coaching staff that can't, that, that refuses to walk past a situation without, you know, talking about it, bringing it up, um, then, and, and, and Sam's not willing to change that because we just spoke about him being uncompromised. So he's not going to compromise on different things early on, especially in his coaching career. And if, if the head coach doesn't like some of the things that he's bringing to the table in relation to uh, those personality traits that he has, well, I think it's best for everyone that they move on. I think they're good traits, and I think he's going to be a fantastic head coach one day, but maybe, you know, through experience, sometimes uh, you need to read the room. Okay. And okay. as a player, he's probably a guy that I'm sure held everyone accountable at training, held everyone accountable on the field, and that's really an important part of his personality. Um, but as a coach, you know, that also needs to be taken into consideration um, with the other coaching staff and um, the ideas that they have and the things that they want to make sure that they get across to the team. So seems like they just can't work together at this early stage in Sam's coaching career. And um, Jason's obviously got a plan there. He believes everything's in order um, and they need to go their separate ways. I kind of don't have a problem the, with it, the, the big honest. The big point is that Jason Demetrio is on a new three-year deal at the club. So ultimately, he's going to have the biggest say in the room on who his staff is going forward. And if, to Gerd's point, they're not on the same page, well, Demetrio is always going to win, and that's what happened the other day. What I didn't like was how it unfolded. Sam Burgess walked into the the South Sydney Centre of Excellence at 7am on Wednesday and walked back out at 9am to a sea of cameras, embarrassed to talk to the press and only said that, apologies, uh, a statement will be coming out soon. I don't think that's how you treat a club legend, despite your differences. And, and I, who, who releases that, Dave? What do you, the, the club. Like, how do they so, find out about all this stuff coming and brewing? What do you... You're talking about the leaks, yeah. potentially. Yeah. Well, so. that, that, that was a factor that South Sydney also shot down, that coaches, the coaching, well, Sammy Burgess and Johnny Morris were, were wide-anding Demetrio. That's, that's been shot down. Um, and that would be unfair to suggest, given that John Morris has also he's, he's retained his position and keeps, keeps working. So, so basically what you're saying is the next assistant coaches that come in, they just want yes men to just do whatever... Demetrio tells him. They want no one challenging Woodsy, him. Woodsy, I don't think there's any suggestion that, that Demetrio isn't happy with being challenged. I think there's a difference between being challenged and not being on the same page. And that's what I believe this is. I think that I think they're just not on the same page. Yeah, I, I, but with this stuff with Luttrell and Code, like Sam's just saying, let's just call them out. We can't treat them differently. Mm. These things fester up for a while, and they don't just build with just Sam. Yep. They build with other players, and they say, these blokes are getting away with a lot more than what other blokes are getting. Yep. It becomes a cancer, and it just grows and gets bigger. Yep. So isn't that a good thing that Sam wants to call it out, but then Demetrio wants to sweep it under the carpet, and then when we get to a period where well, how do you know he wants now, to sweep it under the carpet? Wasn't that what you were saying? No, I didn't say that. Uh, how do you, you don't know that. The other thing, too, is Wayne Bennett was obviously the former coach of um, South Sydney. Yeah, but Demetrio's not Wayne Bennett. That's exactly right. And that's probably the learning curve for, for Jason Demetrio. Yeah. A 50-game coach. Yeah. He's not a 300 and 400-game coach like Wayne Bennett. Is it? Who, who, who has the ability as, to keep a long reign on, a, on certain players. As an assistant coach, I would imagine you'd take, you know, your potential problems or, or, or issues to the head coach and you deliver that, and then you leave it with him because at the end of the day, I mean, it's his heads that's yeah, on the that's block, right. right? I mean, he lives and dies by the results. So you all do to a degree, but you can only take a, a situation 
situation to a guy a certain amount of times. And if nothing's done with it and you feel like, well, it's going against your core values as a coach or as a person or whatever, well, then maybe Sam felt like he, he had to go and maybe Jason feels like he's got the situation in hand and wants to handle it a different way. And if you're going to continue sort of go through those same issues and you continually headbutt over principles that you feel like, you know, you're, you're different in the way that you want to coach, well, then I think the best thing is to just go your own separate way. And now the responsibility is on Jason to get the team where they need to and get the results because Sam is a club legend and it's brought extra attention to the organisation that they didn't need while they're trying to scratch their way I, into the final. Is, I, is, there an, is there a chance, given the sexiness of this story, mm. that there is a little added mustard occasionally? For example, the whole Cameron Murray-Luttrell-Mitchell uh, video session, okay, which Andrew Webster put in his column weeks, but it, it, not so long ago, but it was it ha- something that happened weeks and weeks ago that he had, then he put it as a little sidebar in his column. Then later, weeks later, it is picked up as an indicator of the problems. Mm-hmm. That I've, mate, I've been in teams where it happens all the time. Like, it's video sessions, you call people out on stuff. Yeah. You know, I'll probably Benji and Robbie. It used to always, because they both uh, demand the ball so much. Yeah. But it never I'll, fested out of the group. I was in I was in Cairns last week when the Dragons played South Sydney, and it's different when you when you're at the game and you get to watch people just individual. And I was watching Latrell and and those two tries that Benny Hunt put kicks in where Latrell you know wasn't chasing things. There's parts to his game that would definitely be frustrating the other his other teammates because there's he's can be one of the best fullbacks in the competition, but there's certain boxes as a fullback that you need to tick. And there's boxes at the moment that he's not ticking defensively for that club. Like, you know, getting to getting to marker on your own try line, defending, if you're a fullback, you gotta you gotta get on your bike as soon as that ball's played and go. He doesn't. He stands there like he's a middle forward. There's little things like that as part of his game that would undoubtedly frustrate other team members. Oh, and it needs to be dealt with. And they're probably some of the things that I would imagine Burgess might be bringing up because it's pretty clear for anyone to see there's some effort areas at the moment in part of his game that he needs to address or that needs to be addressed. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys. But if you look at the games where they've been absolutely on fire, he does exactly the same thing in those instances as well. There's games like where he's probably got man of the match, but he's still being lazy because we we do video on him, especially when you come up and play against him. There's games where he's gone out there and you know scored three tries, had great touches, but the presence at the back, you can always catch him out, whether he's on the short side of the ruck or teams tend to kick early because they know he's not getting to the spot right he always does that, but because they're losing, they've lost back-to-back, they're under the pump, these things become under the scrutiny a lot more. Yep. Probably something that hasn't been touched on, and, and Woodsy, you might give some insight here, is that this is a footy side that's travelled around the countryside yep. for the past five weeks together. And I've got no doubt that this is a contributing factor on why this has suddenly <laughs> has come to the surface. When you're spending so much time together, uh, hotel rooms, living in each out of each other's pockets... And there is tension beneath the surface. I think it comes to the surface while ever you're spending so much time together. In a, in a, in a normal routine, the players get to go home, uh, get a break from each other, go back to work the next day. That doesn't occur with this uh, Leyland Brothers tour that the South Sydney Rabbitohs have been on for the past five weeks <laughs> around the country. And I think it is. I think it's a seriously contributing factor to what why this has come 
to the surface. I think it's all minor. Over the countryside. Oregon, it's minor. You look at this other side. Look at Melbourne. They do it every second week. Look at Broncos. They do it every second week. It's it's the fact that they're losing and they're getting caught out on it. So they're right. looking well, for little things. If they want to get that something solved, because it is important. Now they get the buyer, but then they get the ra- uh, rabbits, which will be a deciding factor whether they get into uh, sorry the roosters whether they get into the eight. We are joined by Scott Drinkwater. Uh, welcome, mate. Congratulations. A win that just had to happen for you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, definitely, mate. Um, happy we got two points and um, live to see it fight another day. Yes, indeed. You live to see it fight another day. Have it, I mean, the back end of the season, the season, as we said before, the expectation so high on you. How has it been within the group and going through to that game in terms of we are going to get through to that eight? Um, yeah, look, I was fairly confident um, that we'd put a good performance in just how dialed in everyone was at training and um, you know, we understood, we understood you know, the ramifications if we lost. So, uh, yeah, look, it's been good around training. We're still training pretty, really hard and intensity is high and um, we just spoke about there's no more excuses. So you just had to go out there and get your job done. Hey, Scotty, Dave Riccio, mate. Uh, personally, I was disappointed with the the performance against the Sharks. You, from from afar, it just looked like you had so much to play for. 250 for JT. Uh, you were coming off a bye. It was probably the strongest lineup I'd seen from the Cowboys in a number of weeks, but just didn't get the result. What was the reaction immediately in the dressing rooms after that, knowing that you yeah, really have had no choice but to turn it around? Um, yeah, look, we obviously didn't play well. I thought we started really well in the first 20, 25 minutes. And then, um, you know, a few things, you know, ill-discipline um, wasn't good. And um, Sharks made us pay. And, yeah, I think our energy just dropped from there. Um, but we've got the sheds and um, we actually just did a um, just a review on the sheds, verbal review. We didn't watch any footage. So we just got it out of the way straight away and we can focus on Dolphins. So um, I think that was a good thing. You know, we can wake up the next day and know that, you know, we had that day off and didn't have to worry about going in and worry about the Sharks game. We can move straight into the Dolphins. So, um, yeah, we put it behind us pretty quickly and, um, you know, I thought that was, um, you know, a smart idea from Todd. Yeah, Drinky Woodsy here, mate. Congratulations on, on your performance last night. I thought you had standing. Mate, just one thing I wanted to ask about Toddy Payton. Obviously, you started the season off pretty slow. You had a few injuries and, and players out with suspension in Jeremiah and I. And then the origin period, mate, you just couldn't lose a game. You were on fire. How has Toddy changed over the last couple of years with that sort of a roller coaster of a season so far? Um, yeah, good question. We definitely didn't start the way we wanted to and we probably didn't understand, you know, that we were going to, you know, get everyone's best game who were come up against just from the season we had before. Um, so that was probably, you know, a bit of an area where they um, fix up and really understand that everyone's coming to, you know, get to get us. And then, um, you know, with Todd, um, you know, he, he kept us confident. He kept us, um, you know, always, you know, backing ourselves. He just had to, you know, dull, dull a few things in, you know, I think effort areas and just our energy around certain plays and, you know, when we're coming up with, you know, try savers or forced errors, just bringing back our energy. And, um, you know, I think, you know, we definitely brought that back during that origin period. And then obviously that origin period helped our origin players as well, brought them back some some confidence. And, you know, all those guys were our best players week in, week out during that period. So, um, you know, Toddy just, yeah, as a, as a head coach does, just focus on effort areas. <laughs> 
Hey, Scott Ryan Goodley, mate, congrats on the win last night and the season thus far, mate. You, it sounds like, um, you know, you're always interested uh, in listening to you describe the game, mate. It sounds like you watch a lot of footy. There's some cracking fullbacks around at the moment, brother. Who do you enjoy watching and, and what do you, is there anyone that you specifically uh, like to take parts of their game and apply it to what you do? Um, yeah, look, I enjoy watching um, Reese Walsh and Kalen play at fullback. Um, you know, they're just exciting, you know, ball, ball runners, ball players. And, um, you know, I don't possess the same speed they have, um, you know, off the mark. But, um, you know, probably a guy who I like to watch the most would be Cody Walker. Um, I feel like I, you know, have can have similar attributes ball playing wise and um, picking, you know, part of the defence and picking the right option. So he's not a fullback, but yeah, I probably watch Cody the most. How's uh, Sean O'Sullivan today picking uh, Kyle Felt's studs out of his chin? How's it he going? Um, yeah, I don't know. He's just got to watch where his boot is. Not screwed into him. Hey, Scott, you're a Central Coast boy. Um, obviously a proud New South Wales Welshman, as we saw this year. Did you ever um, come across or play with Nico Hines growing up? Yeah, plenty. Plenty of footy. Um, with Nico um, through just, you know, we didn't go to the same, we didn't play at the same club, but just through like school, rep school footy, um, touch footy. Um, yeah, played a lot. Um, yeah, a lot of footy with Nico and touch footy growing up all from like year four to year, year 11, year 12. So, um, yeah, pretty close with him. And, um, you know, he's, um, you know, had a cracking season last year and, um, yeah, I'm happy for him. And Scotty, when we play against you, mate, we do a lot of video on you. Obviously, you know a lot of stuff you come up with. Do you do you plan it, or you just if you're counting numbers, see someone short, do you just take it because you're that hard for us big men to defend at A? And I think you've got me a couple times now. <laughs> yeah, um, nah, I just I just go on the fly and whatever 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 I, my instincts um, you know are thinking and seeing, I, I just back them. Um, you now, obviously, we do the old you know the video sessions and you know look at the way the edges like to defend, but, um, you know, the other team's doing their defence as well and might be changing enough a bit. And so, yeah, I just back back my instincts and um, sometimes, you know, I get lucky and sometimes um, I think the, the coach is going to hook me. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, what did you kick last night? You kicked four or five last night, mate. So you got the kick and duty back off. Um, Chatty Townsend, who took him off you there for a while and obviously Val when he's back. So looks like you enjoyed doing the goal kicking. Um, yeah, I'm not, not actually sure why I lost it. Um, I never got told why I lost it. I just got told that I'm not kicking. Um, <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. But no, I always do a bit of practice with Val. Um, just more of a uh, competition thing, you know, kick, having a kick around with Val and that. Um, Caddy just couldn't do the, the practice week in, week out. Just um, you know, a bit older legs there and um, he's had a few um, you know, soft tissue injuries over the years in his legs and stuff. So, um, yeah, he couldn't really practice too much. So... Um, look, I enjoy doing it. Um, yeah, it's fun to do something after training as well and hang out in the field a bit longer so I don't have to get in the gym. <laughs> so, Scotty, just before we let you go, th- yeah, this game, right, uh, down in, uh, against the Panthers, coming to Sydney, it's arguably the biggest game of your season. To keep it alive, what's the preparation look like? How serious does it get? Uh, when do you get here? Um, how does Todd Payton attack this one? Yeah, um, Good question. I only just got back to Townsville at 11 o'clock, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. But we'll, we might fly down. Probably, we normally fly down Friday. Like, we'll fly down Friday, I guess, after Captain's run. Um, we might go Thursday. I'm not sure. But, 
I just think, you know, Penrith are so good at they don't give you too many opportunities. Um, you know, they make, you know, minimal yardage errors and then they don't give you too many penalties and you know, they got really their their tackle was one, two and three after Nathan's kick in the corner. Um, you know, it's best in the comp and they don't give you too many meters. So look, it's gonna be a tough game and um, you know, I said last night before the game, our elimination finals started, you know, last night and um, so you know, we're on the week two with it and come up against the best team in the comp. So, um, yeah, look, it's going to be a big game. Obviously, um, you know, you heard, you heard the way they, they spoke about their performance against Parramatta. So, you know, that that uh, performance ain't coming again. You know, they'll be ringing their best. And so we just got to roll the sleeves up and um, dig deep and fight hard. Uh, you know, we as long as we come off the field knowing that we gave everything, um, you know, that's all we can ask for. But, um, look, we definitely, you know, we want to win and play finals and, uh, if you lose, we're on Mad Monday. <laughs> Indeed. Well, it's been a great season from yourself. Good luck for the, this weekend and beyond, if that's the way you can make it work out. And thanks for joining us on the show, Scotty. Thanks for having me. Aaron Woods is with us. We talked earlier about Ruben Garrick. He won't be playing this weekend after that injury. Uh, the tackle on him from Shans Nikolukstar, which did result in some injury. In fact, we've got uh, Ruben describing the injury for us. I broke my back. What do you mean by that? You broke my back, back is broken. What, a vertebrae or, or well, what portion? Spinal. <laughs> you, you, you know what the funny thing is? We played that in our session, <laughs> in our you? review session. That, <laughs> 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 of course, is a famous Mike Tyson How in the middle it? of the rink. Oh, so and the way he says it too, like he says it like he's fed ink and look. Spinal. Spinal. Broke my back. I can't do sit-ups. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was amazing. Speaking of injuries, just quickly, uh, the Nico Hines story, what's happening there? That's a bummer for the Sharkies. It's a blow because this is a huge game on Sunday, guys. Uh, sold out again. This is back-to-back sellouts at Newcastle. Hasn't been done it's in amazing. their history. Yeah. So good up there. Yeah. Uh, um, the Novocastrians are going nuts. Uh, and, yeah, look, it is a blow for Cronulla. Nico Hines won't play. He's been ruled out. It's a quad injury. Um I believe it's minor, um, being so close to the pointy end of the season. There's just no risk required, and Matt Moylan will come into the halves alongside Braden Trindle. It's been an up-and-down season for Matty, hasn't it? It has, it has, but it's an opportunity. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned that Newcastle is great watching that ground. Caelan Pong has said running out onto the field, looking under the top uh, upper deck and seeing fans right at the back there lifted him enormously, and he's mm. played brilliant, has been playing brilliantly for, for weeks. He called it Disneyland. Is that what he called it? Yes. Was, it was Disneyland that started the year for him. Ay, ay, ay. Dragons have just gone in to score. 14-4. Kick to come. The Gold Coast still leading. Five minutes to go first half. Didn't see uh, whether Jamie Sad was banging <laughs> on the windows. Uh, it was last week. They had um, a huge comeback last week to win that game and see if they could do the same job this afternoon. Uh, the Dragons in the men's game didn't get the job done, but they were brave. The Warriors, uh, they had to win. They have the top four spot. Yeah, it's remarkable for the, for us talking about the Warriors being a top four, especially with Andrew Webster coming over and taking head coach. I don't think anyone would yeah. have had the Warriors in their top four. You know, a lot of people didn't even have him in the top eight. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of people questioning the decision of Sean Johnson to go around again. He's probably been up with the talk of maybe he might be a Dally M player of the year. Oh, um, maybe, sir. Yeah, right yeah, in the frame. Yeah, so he's an opportunity to be there. Um, but you've got to give credit to the Dragons. Like, they've gone over there. They can't make the eight. You know, they're trying to stay off the bottom of the ladder. And they took the Warriors. They put the Warriors in there for a fight. Um, 
if it wasn't for, you know, a couple of soft tries, that one late in the game where Sloan went over the top of there the ball. There was downward pressure. All he had to do was and just put a fingertip and just force it down. I'm saying there was downward pressure. There was certainly a finger, fingernail. But, but there's a couple moments in the game, like they kick on play two when they've got mm. a good, you know, good position to attack. They're just, they're the things I think Flano will teach them next year. We need to build pressure down there. We can't have easy turnovers. And I think they'll learn a lot. And it's good to see them playing for the full 80 minutes. They were there to be beaten last night, the Warriors. Last two weeks they have been. Yeah. I thought last night more so than the yeah. week before. But I reckon they're, they're, the <laughs> other thing as well is, Dave, <laughs> up. the other thing, Dave, they're looking to the semifinals now. Yeah. Like they've got that top four spot. Um, First time since 2007 and that, the Warriors have made the top four. Do they rest players next week now knowing that they're in the top four? Um, they've got a couple of players. played the Dolphins, so yeah. it's possible, right? It, over in, mm. up at uh, Red Suncorp. Oh, Suncorp, yeah. So um, Mitch Barnett's a chance, I think, of playing. Do they rest a couple of blokes? Do they lose mm. um, Luke Metcalf? But I think Tamari Martin's a chance of coming yeah, back. Martin might be coming back. I thought it was a really, I thought it was an, an a, a entertaining game. I enjoyed yeah. it. Like yep. We called yep. that last night. And you're right, Tony. I, I like the way the Dragons, they put up a fair bit of resistance. Had to overcome a fair few obstacles as well because um, they had the young winger. Um, he went down. Yeah, Fino. Yeah. Fino Fino went off. And yep. then Lomax, I think, had it. You know, had Head some uh, HIA issues and they had, you know, guys playing out of position. Uh, and they didn't, you know, and the Warriors are a really good attacking side. Um, and they only, you know, allowed 16 points or whatever it may have been. So I thought they were really resilient on their on their line. And then uh, for me last night, I thought the Warriors uh, was always need to be about defence. The boys have been talking about their last couple of weeks. They've leaked a lot of points, especially on that left side. And the Dragons, to be fair, didn't sort of put any pressure down uh, that channel at all. Um, but the Warriors just looked a lot more comfortable defensively, especially on their own goal line last night. And I thought they they kicked pretty well and they were ill-disciplined at times. But yeah, they need to they they need to go up a couple of gears over the next couple of weeks. The Warriors when it gets serious because their lead in hasn't been great. You know, Manly tested them last week. The Tigers, the Titans. You know, they haven't had a lot of top four sides to really um, compete with going into the finals and and get them conditioned for what's to come. But I thought last night was a, a step back in the right direction for the Warriors against a, a resilient Dragons outfit. Resilient is right, Gerds. And this is an intriguing thing. Like, oh, I really – got. To, I take my hat off to the Saints as far as their commitment and dedication last night to, to trying to get the job done with their season done and dusted. Yep. That's, a, that's a ridiculously hard road trip. Um, and, and in saying that, guys, how's this stat? The Dragons have lost all 12 away games yeah. this year. All 12. And that's something that Flano has to rectify. Um, mm. But where I was going was if they can show even, uh, you know, a similar amount of resilience and dedication to the job next week, they play the Newcastle Knights at Cogra. Now, if my memory serves me correctly, I think Saints dusted the Broncos in the final round at Cogra last year. Um, yep. They're capable of a performance, Saints. That could really upset the apple cart next week up against the Newcastle Knights. What I... I'm declaring a danger game already for the Knights. But, Woodsy, you know him well. I just thought Blake Laurie, he is just a dead-set throwback uh, to the 80s with his his physique and the way he plays the game. Yeah, he's, he's come up with 44 tackles and 205 run metres. He's um he's a great bloke in, in the change room. Um, you know, I didn't know much about him before I went to the club. He, for me, I, if I was down there, uh, I know you got Ben Hunt as a captain, but I think he... If he's not going to be captain, why Ben Hunter? I think he would be a future captain of that club. He's a local junior, loves the area. Mate, he's at training at 6 o'clock every day. Um, you know, he gets in there early. They, uh, Him and Lomax, they have 
you know, ice baths and then they go for a coffee. Then all the boys will come in at about 8 or 9.30. Um, mate, he's just a, a great bloke. Um, you know, we always used to G him up. Like, there's not much, you know, that he can do. He can just up and down, but, geez, he gets a lot out of the petrol tank. Um, <laughs> he must be strong, though. Yeah, mate. He, so, like, looking from his waist down... Great rig, like one of the best rigs in the competition. Like good cars, good like good veins popping out. But then you look at from the waist up, yep. probably to his melon, or probably to his hairline, uh, mm. mate. Awful. Uh, yeah. He's got some of the funniest nicknames. Like mate, okay. uh, like we used to call it. Uh, well, I got told of, got wind of it later on. Schnitzel tits. Oh, hello. Like it's one of the best, mate. It's honestly one of the funny. And then like. He, but he just gives you. Absolute... Are they crumbed? I'm not sure where. where you... He's got like big, so, di- big dinner plates. You know uh, what I mean? Yeah, so like, yeah mm. but um, mate, Jeezy gives you a lot out of the petrol thing. Like he's one of the blokes. That when you go to play a game every 80 minutes, you know when you look left or right, he's going to give you 110. Like he's an absolute team man. Yeah. He'll do everything for the team. Like even times like when you got to do a promo. If yeah. you can't make it, go, Blake. Can you feel? It? Yeah, no worries, mate. Like he's just one of those. He's he, like a. He like loves a, the camera. Like a Jaden Braley type yeah. player. I love it. Zach Lomax almost scored the fastest try in rugby league wow. history. That was. I a, thought that was a try. No. Thank you. As you it turns out, it's the fastest disallowed try in history, which is which is, a knock on. which is almost as good. Knock, yeah, it's it's a tough one that one because you know, he touches the ball and yeah. they're both going for it at the same time. It's instinctively that you're going to go and knock the ball up. Mm. Yeah. yeah, but. Unfortunately, by if, the rules, David is a no yeah. try. If 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 he knocks it up and it doesn't touch the opposition player, they still were going to call it back, right? Because he penalty got an advantage goes. from a knock up. I think that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah I hate that rule too, guys. That's insane. Yeah. 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 What well, about the well, effort, but to be there from a kick chase? You know, the Warriors like tries to flick it back in, and then Lomax just to be there in the right position. You know, it's only like five meters out. Totally. Yeah. yeah, so. What about um, for the Warriors, Luke Metcalf? I mean, we spoke to him a couple of uh, a weeks ago. Terrific guy. He had that horrible hamstring injury on one leg. It's the other leg, this hamstring, I understand. It is. It is. And um, the Warriors have high hopes for Luke Metcalf. And I say that because at the start of this season, when he was struggling with hamstring issues and missed a large chunk of the, the opening month of the foot of the season, he, they sent him off to the U.S., mm. Uh, to to visit Bill Knowles, the the uh, high performance guru who we know now has helped uh, the likes of Tom Trebojevic and and uh, Ryan right. Pappenhausen, um, and that's an indication. Like, and I say it with the greatest of respect to Luke Metcalf, he's not sitting in that category of player as uh, Paps or Turbo. And unfortunately, last night, and well, it could be fortunate because it's the other leg, it's the other hamstring that's gone. Uh, he has gone for scans and we'll learn the severity of that in the next day or so. But that would be a big blow because he's been terrific for yeah. them this year. He has. All right. They got the job done against the Dragons, 18 points to six. They head, as you said, first time since 2007 uh, into a top four spot. Doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case to love This has got it all. Dave Riccio, what have you got for us? We know, of course, that uh, the Broncos have been relying on uh, Pat Carrigan. Mm. He's been brilliant all season. Will he be running around? He won't be, Tone. Uh, Wow. Yep, this is a blow, and it's going to be interesting to see what comes of it because Pat Carrigan has gone for scans. On a foot injury, he's out of this game tonight against the Raiders. Obviously, it's a huge clash. It's the farewell game for Jack White and farewell for Jared Croker. And so much on the line for the Raiders, but so too the Broncos, who are now in uh, minor have minor premiership sights uh, firmly set following the Panthers' loss. But they will have to do it without Pat Carrigan, and it's come as a bit of a surprise, I must say, 
Um, he did take part in um, the Broncos' captain's run on Friday, um, and he finished the session without a problem. But something has flared up, uh, which is uh, obviously a major concern, given the fact that how influential Pat Carrigan is on this Broncos lineup. And we know that Adam Reynolds is also missing from this clash. And, it, you know, I start to get a little bit nervous. I start to get a little bit nervous about the Broncos. Let's just say they drop this one against the Raiders. They play the Melbourne Storm next week. Game. Now, do they play Pat Carrigan next week? Is it serious? Depending on these scans, right? And then, and, and do they play Adam Reynolds next week? And, and if they don't, they are at risk of dropping that game going into a final series. Is the severity of the injury bad or are you just waiting for scans? Look, at this point, the Broncos officials and the coaching staff aren't, they're not panicking. Yep. Okay, so I, I, I see them as precautionary scans at this point in time. But what comes of it, we will we will learn in the next 24, 48 hours. And, and is Adam Reynolds back next week or are they still going to wait? Not guaranteed. Not guaranteed. Okay, geez, that, that's huge. There's plenty to play for today because given the Panthers' loss, the minor premiership is there. Absolutely. Uh, and and you look, look, one thing we know about this Broncos side and it's reason enough why they're where they stand is they've done well with their depth this year. And they've been able to probably scrape in wins that probably wouldn't have been there in the last few seasons when when key players were out. But it just concerns me a little when the likes of Carrigan and Reynolds are missing matches just two weeks out from the final series for the Brisbane Broncos. Yeah. I think it's back 2000, no last one of mine in Premiership. It was somewhere back around there, an amazing team. Uh, this is a question without notice. I know you've got your little roadmap. I'm, I'm deviating from it slightly because you mentioned the name Jack White. And is there anything – I know that Ricky got plenty of phone calls about him. Is he, you know – questioning whether South Sydney is really the venue or should he stay in Canberra? You can probably throw this in the blender okay. of, of which was the South Sydney rumour mill. Yep. Um, that Jack White was getting cold feet, didn't want to go to Redfern anymore. Sorry, no longer Redfern. Uh, Maroubra. Maroubra, yeah. Uh, Heffron Park. Heffron, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, but look, it's all hullabaloo. Yeah. Uh, Jack White will be there. To the point where the Raiders, they're, they're down the track as far as searching for replacements uh, throughout the game, looking for, um, uh, you know, a, a, a solution in their halves. So, no, that, that door is certainly closed as far as Jack White and okay. staying. The high-flying Knights, was it seven in a row? I think they're, they're at? Yes, they're chasing eight yeah, okay. tomorrow. Well, what are the impediments for well, that then. we spoke about Nico Hines being out of this clash for the Cronulla Sharks. I can tell you also that there's a blow for the Knights that the Jackson Hastings will be kept on ice yet another week. It is that ankle problem um, that he he suffered two weeks ago. He was originally named to start in this match and it was, you know, obviously seen as a key in given what's at stake for the Newcastle Knights. All my mail suggests he is out and Adam Clune will facilitate that halves role again alongside Tyson Gamble. And you can also rule a line through Kurt Mann. Uh, he has suffered a sternum injury. He, he was hitting well last week. He was tackling. Yeah, great player. Yeah. yeah. He's, he, yeah, he's a, a machine, isn't he? And uh, he has suffered a sternum problem. He's out of the game. And, and that causes problems on their bench because he can p- fill a number of roles for the Knights. And I can also tell you that uh, Liam Fitzgibbon, is also in significant doubt. I'm almost certain he'll be ruled out. Uh, so it'll, it'll leave a, a whole heap of changes for the Newcastle Knights. The likes of Dylan Lucas and Brody Jones are in the frame uh, to come in for 
Mann and Fitzgibbon. Adam Gloon was really good last week, and he's been great in New South Wales Cup leading that side around. Was he at the Dragons when you were at the Dragons? No, he wasn't. He, he just wasn't already left they, by then. They got a good rap on him. Says he's a really good organiser, and I think that's what Kalen needs, just someone organised and dictate where they're going and then let Ponga do what mm. he's got to do out the back. He's headed for the UK Super League, um, is Adam Kloon. Okay. Uh, there's quite a list of players heading for the there UK. There is. Uh, Lockie Miller uh, yeah. um, received an early release from his contract. Now, that that, that release of Lockie Miller, it, it was a three-year deal. Uh, he's only, well, he's not even through that first season of that year, that, that deal. Uh, it will release around $500,000 in cap space for the Knights. That'll set their target on Bradman Best. I understand that negotiations will start next week. He's gone through a management change, Bradman. So the Knights have been waiting for the new manager to take over and that will kickstart, I understand, uh, uh, negotiations next week. A few Bulldogs heading over there. I know Ockenbohr uh, goes Jade to the Super League going, well. yep. yeah. So who are the Bulldogs looking at? Well, we know that they've picked up Jamin Salmon yep. from the Penrith Panthers and we know that Blake Taff uh, obviously is heading as well Crichton. over from South Sydney and then the big one, Stephen Crichton. I can tell you that the Bulldogs have forwarded a two-year offer to the man we've just spoken about, Kurt Mann. And... Um, Again, it probably sits in that bracket of the Bulldogs looking for footballers, you know, in quote unquote footballers with know how, you know, that, 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 that have been around the game and are a certain standard of player. And that, that certainly is Kurt Mann. I can tell you that he was on Bulldogs' site earlier this week undergoing a medical examination and my indication is that it, that has all gone swimmingly. I expect the dogs to forward a two-year offer. Uh, at this point in time, I don't know if the Knights are going to put up a fight. They do have, as I said, they've got some big ones to re-sign, Bradman Best, Jacob Sofidi. So um, it's an interesting one. Kurt Mann could be headed to the dogs. Would you, those guys, those kind of Mr. Fix-It utilities, how important are they in, in club? Massive. They're huge, especially uh, someone like Kurt Mann because he can play the... You know, if you have to, that, that 14 roll with the center wing, but he's so good defensively. Like, he can play nine. I, I love him at lock. Yeah. Because he's like that link man with the halves. And then when you throw Callum Ponga in there as well, and you got to remember, Bulldogs are getting Crichton next year. I just think they're probably a halfback away from being a, a really, really genuine top eight side. I think they're a middle forward away, to be fair. Well, they've got a lot of money freed up, so I think they'll be looking for yeah, some. Yeah, that's right. Yep. All right, I just want to tidy up a few stories that are hanging around this week. Uh, Dave Ricker, what do we make of... Now, Brad Fittler, uh, with the State of Origin New South Wales job, has apparently told the the board, the NSL, uh, New South Wales Rugby League, that he wants to continue uh, as head coach. That's not a major surprise, is it? It's, it's, it's the first time that Brad Fittler has indicated to the New South Wales Rugby League board that he wants to go around again. That hadn't happened. That yep. happened yesterday. Um it was uh, an opportunity for both Brad Fittler to present to the New South Wales Rugby League Board a review through his eyes of what went wrong, what can be improved, and why he wants to go around again next year. Uh, my indications are that it's not ratified by any sense of the imagine, imagination just yet. Um, uh, the not ratified in terms of his appointment. That's right. Mm-hmm. The opportunity for Brad would only be a 12-month contract, yep. is my mail, if he was to go around again next year. The other uh, uh, caveat to it is that the New South Wales Rugby League Board want to see some, uh, uh, basically a master plan of his coaching staff and his setup. Assistance. Assistance. John Morris. High performance, high performance area, coaching staff, what it looks like because... So do, do they want him to move them on or get new people... It, it depends. It'll come down to what Brad 
comes up with, Woodsy. Uh, we know that. Yep. We know that there was so much criticism about the preparation of the Blues throughout this yep. uh, past series, and to the point where I hadn't seen it before. A club physiotherapist in Eddie Farrah from South Sydney went into camp to oversee the training loads of Latrell Mitchell and Cameron Murray. Now, that raises the eyebrows of not only Touths, but every other club. And and for that point, that's that's been a, a sticking point that needs to be rectified by Brad going forward if he is to stay in the role. They had a win in game three, so that would mean they liked the look of an Ivan Cleary sitting in the coach's <laughs> box yeah. with Brad as he did in that game. Yeah, look, that was, yeah, it was probably a little overstated to what it was. Yeah. Um, Dave, what, what did Ivan do in the box? Didn't he just sit there and watch the game? Well, well, I, I mean, I wasn't in the box, so I don't know what type of communication he was having, but it but you can't deny Ivan's success at the elite level and and and, nice gun. and winning big games and and maybe it was just a friendly word here and there about yep. a, 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 an interchange or, a, or a, we just never heard about what he did in the box that it, night. And I, I just think it's because they've underplayed it because it wasn't. He didn't spend the entire week in camp. He didn't yep. address the players at half time. It wasn't a, a massive role. It was just another set of eyes that Freddie Presence. trusts inside the box. Now I think it will it, it will develop. Uh, for someone that Freddie trusts into that same, a similar role, will it be Gus Gould? Wow. Will it be Michael Ennis? Will it be Ivan Cleary? Time will tell. But that's that's a space that the New South Wales Rugby League Board want clarity on before ultimately offering Brad Fittler a new deal. The what, sorry, the one with Mike Ennis, is that assistant coach or is that just eyes over the top? Again, same thing. It, it's, it'll come down to what Brad comes up with, mate. Ryan Gurley, you wouldn't be surprised that uh, Freddie has put his hand up again to go around? No, I think the, um, yeah, the game through we saw, it was always for me about, you know, does he, after six years and the stress that, you know, you put yourself and your family through during that period, do you have the energy to do it again? And sometimes, obviously, throughout that that um, that series, he did look a little bit, you know, exhausted. Um, but, you know, he, his connection with the playing group obviously was there because of the result and, and how they uh, responded in game three. Um, and and if he's got the energy to go again, you know, I think he's the man for the job, absolutely. All right, let's move on to uh, Ryan Pappenhausen. It'll be just a wonderful return for him. It's been 13 months since he's played rugby league. Uh, you'll hate this, Woodsy, but Brent Reid wrote a great story <laughs> that appeared <laughs> today. A terrific story oh, on, no, on so that journey because it was has been such an enormous and enormously tough journey for him to come on. Now, we know that that... Patella kneecap injury was described as more akin to something you see in a car accident mm. than a, a sporting injury, and he's come back from that. And this is—he's played a couple. He played last two eighty-minute games, I think. Yep. Uh, but stepping out in the NRL again is just huge. As a rugby league, I'm, I'm so excited. You know, I get to commentate that game today. Um, you know, since when I see him named on the extended bench, I was getting excited. Um, I've followed his progress. They've had a few stories on the social media page of the Melbourne Storm, how he's travelling, um, but they never gave us the date. Yep. But he's always been – it sounded like he's been in good spirits the whole time. Um, I remember seeing the scan of the kneecap. Oh, it looked like a jigsaw piece. That really? to put back together. Wow. Um, but to his credit, mate, he's done a huge rehab job on it. Um, and to get two 80-minute performances uh, in the last couple of weeks and just to see him run out today, um, I'm sure not just Melbourne Storm fans, but everyone in the rugby league public was is going to be excited I uh, get a little bit of goosebumps when you talk about it. Just, he's a good guy. Um, I had him at Tigers at a young age. 
Um, obviously went to Melbourne for an opportunity, and he's just a great fella. And you know, I'm really happy with how he's done his rehab, and he's back on the field. And as a, as a rugby league fan, I'm so excited to watch him play today. Because it must be such an emotional roller coaster on those long-term injuries. There you are in rehab with whoever else is around doing the same thing. I mean, I think Christian Welsh has told us before about actually feeling guilty about being there and not being able to perform. It's just a tough space to be in. You watch him every week too. He's in the box. He's got his notepad and, and book and like he's just writing down things and he's just you can do everything except for play. So you, you just can't control that outcome. Um, but he's there. He, he he rides that roller coaster with the players, whether they win, whether they lose. Um, he still feels a part of it, but he just can't. It feels like, like you said with Walsh, they can't lend a hand in, in the outcome. So um, it's his opportunity today. Um, and I'm sure he'll be excited. He'll be quite nervous as well. But, you know, we don't want to go out there and see him score three tries. I just want to see him get through the game unscathed and, and just be ready to back up for the week after. And good. It's a guy like Nick Meany who has filled in so beautifully for him. Yeah, it's going to be tough for Nick if he plays the majority of well, the whole season at the back there and then, um, you know, Ryan comes back for the finals. But that's just what playing in a team, that's a situation sometimes you need to... Um, confront Tony and it would be sad for Nick, but I'm sure they'll find a place for him somewhere. Um, you know, he's a versatile guy. He can play in the halves at a pinch. He, he, you know, he, he'd be great coming off the bench if that's the way that they want to go. Um, but, yeah, like if, if, if Pappenhausen's right to go, um, he just catapults that side onto another level, you know, with what he can produce. So uh, it'll be unfortunate for Nick, but uh, being the team guy that he is and wanting the team to have success, he'll, he'll – you know, he'll have to sit back and, and watch Ryan come in, take his spot and see where he can contribute in other ways. Head injuries and their ramifications have been a major story in the code. In fact, in, in sport altogether over the, the past few years, just reading a story from Nelson uh, Asifa Solomon being quoted, says, I honestly reckon a bunch of us have CTE already. Uh, to be honest, the amount of head clashes in the game today is huge. Yeah, you know, you guys only see the stuff on game day. There's stuff we do at training as well. So, you know, we don't often talk about that, but uh, he's actually come out and said that he believes he may well have it, even though he's planning a different career. <laughs> yeah, he's going into the boxing ring, I think, at the back end of this year up at Townsville. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a funny one. Um, look, I, you know, the clubs are so wary on, on a head knock this day and age. It's unbelievable. I remember when I first come to, to the first grade, we didn't even have GPSs, let alone, like, they didn't really care. It was a badge of honour if you got knocked down just to get back up. Yep. But um, I think I said on this show a couple weeks ago, you know, they're the little things you don't think about when you're a kid coming through the grades. You do anything to play the game. Um, now I've got a, a family, I've got a wife, I've got kids. You think about the long, you know, the long, the long journey after that. You don't want to be, you know, one of those guys that sort of doesn't remember things. Um, Especially you know, when you can have a career burbling into a microphone. Exactly you right. To have you have a talk. Head. And, you know, yeah. I, I look at like, you know, you see, you know, Mario Fennick, one of the greats, and you just see the, the head knocks he copped while he played. And then the things he's gone through with his family now that I saw on, you know, I think it was Current Affair a couple of weeks back. So um, it's a tough one. But, yeah, I just think clubs are doing such a good job now because if they don't, do play players that have got the head knocks, they're going to get in a lot of trouble from the NRL. Don't they, don't they uh, monitor that, what happens at training these days? I mean, because I think Nelson's talking about what happens uh, from Monday to Friday. Is there, because uh, there is a lot of collision at training and there's a lot of contact and wrestling at training. Is that monitored by clubs? Yeah, it is. You've got an independent person that, um, well, not independent, but you're one of your physios. So he'd be the head knock man. He, he, he's got to watch. So you've got two or three physios at each training session and his role is to generally watch all the head knocks. And then I think you've seen in the last couple of weeks, we played against the Roosters, I think it was about a month ago, and Joseph Suwali and uh, the other centre got knocked out at training and they were ruled out for the game. 
Mm-hmm. And so that was happened at training. Normally, you'd think clubs would just turn a blind eye and get them about to roll out for the weekend, but they're taking a serious action with it. Glad you're here, Woodsy, for this one. Believe it or not, Luke Brooks's barbecue, beautiful, beautiful blue colour too. Uh, the barbecue gift should have, shouldn't have been presented, should have been presented behind closed doors rather than that uh, on the ground. Yeah, I reckon it should have been done behind closed doors. Mm. Um, if you was at Dragons, could have done open doors. But um, <laughs> honestly... At um, Paul Vaughan's place. At Paul, yeah, Vaughan's place and, you know. Uh, but honestly, you know, it's... I know it's 11 years of service, but a barbecue... <laughs> In the fair income departments, come on. Dave, <laughs> yeah. oh, mate, too much? Well, look, I've got to. <laughs> and no gas bottle. No gas bottle for it. But love it. he's just built himself a new house, and I'm sure he's got an inbuilt uh, barbecue already there. But the other thing, too, is, right, mm. and, and I could understand the, if this was a player on the minimum wage yeah. for the last 11 seasons. Mm-hmm. Now, if... He's only taken up a little bit of the cap, isn't he? Okay, let's just put let's just put Luke on in 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 and around nine hundred grand uh-huh. when when it's we all know it's a little bit more. Yeah, right. Why wouldn't he have owned his own barbecue already? I think he does. Okay, so the other thing too is like, does everyone not- understand when you you know when you drive or, you know you're driving along the streets mm. and you drive past the council cleanups? Yeah. Do you do you notice how many barbecues are on the t- on the on the Front of the yeah. nature strips on the council cleanups because barbecues don't Rust last out. anymore. Yeah, right. And this one had a plaque on it, like you know, thanks for everything, Brooksy. Yeah. And I, I'm like, I promise you, in about five years, less than that, four years time, you'll have to take. We're the going to see off. this barbecue no, he, on a council cleanup. He might chisel it off yeah, and put it on another <laughs> present. Absolutely. <laughs> but it was was there something nice and personal in it? Because I understand he enjoys cooking. Is that correct? Yeah, so, he loves cooking. Yeah. But yeah. they could have got him one of those mad wood fire ones. You know, the big grillers yeah. or some yeah. copper pans and. But pots, does it perhaps? come out of the cap that money? No, it doesn't. We have been oh, told that's that okay, doesn't. But in answer to your question, yes, present it on the final presentation night. Present it in the I'll dressing t- rooms after the game. I'll tell you a funny story. Okay, good. It's still at the stadium, I think. He didn't get to take it home. Is that right? Are you serious? Didn't fit in his car. <laughs> of course. Yeah, of course. Because <laughs> he didn't know. They, they shouldn't have assembled it. They should have left it. <laughs> unassembled. <laughs> Just in flat pack. On, Just on flat the ground. Pack. That would have been great. Yeah, with a picture of it. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> it was interesting. I, I read an article early in the year when he... It was it was just when he was hitting form and he had that run of good games and he was talking about how he'd become a vegan. So maybe they went from that. <laughs> that's a West. That's a real West Tigers thing to do, right? Thank you. Uh, have you eaten any of his cooking? No, I cannot say I have. Are you a cook? No, got nothing. Misses. Oh, stop that. This I do some... nappies. I do nappies. Unlike Mitch. Uh, no, good work, you. Go. Believe it or not, Ryan Girdler, Sam Burgess will be the next Rabbitohs head coach. Um, yeah, I believe that, Tone. I'm not sure it's in the near future. Obviously, with uh, I think JD's got a two- or three-year contract, but I think at some point uh, when, yeah, when they feel like they need a bit of a, a change um, and if Sam's done, you know, his apprenticeship overseas, I don't see why not. Dave? I don't believe it, no. Um, I just – I alluded to it earlier. I just think it's all come so quickly for Sam. As far as an apprenticeship is concerned, I, I – I, uh, there's stacks of other coaches in the game that have done longer apprenticeships at all different levels of the game. Like it's, you know, um, who's a good example? Josh Hannay is a good example. Currently the assistant coach of Billy Slater. Benji? Uh, uh, Benji, Benji, yeah, well, ben, well, hey, look, 
Benji's in front of Sam Burgess. You know, one year. As far as what he's he's been, they've had the same. So year. you're telling you're telling me, Dave, if 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 Sam goes over there and, and does a good job and yeah. they have success and they want to move on from um, JD in three years that mm. they wouldn't consider bringing oh, Sam back? Oh, of course they'd consider it good. But the question yeah. is, do I believe it? And no, I don't. Okay. okay. Do you? I believe it. And back to you, Dave. I think Benji and Sam are both same qualified. They've both been assistant coaches this year for the first time they've coached. Mm. So, um, but I think, the, like I said before, the presence, um, he's a South Sydney legend. He'll go over to Warrington. If he has success over there, I reckon he'll put a lot of pressure on Demetrio back here. Triple M Footy lives on Listener. Thanks to McDonald's and Ream Hot Water.